You're listening to TechNado. Welcome to another episode of TechNado. I'm Sophie Goodwin, one of your hosts here on the show. Just a quick reminder before we jump in, I want to thank the sponsor of TechNado, ACI Learning, the folks behind IT Pro. If you want to see more of Don, Dan, and myself, check out those courses. You can learn a lot and you can have fun while you do it. Once again, I'm Sophie, and of course, I'm not alone here. I have the experts themselves here alongside me. Don, how are you doing today? I am doing great. And, uh, you know, we got some, some good stuff lined up today. I, I we, we talked last week on the podcast, I don't want to get too far off in the intros here, but <laughs> about how the, the new SEC ruling with companies having to disclose breaches was going to have interesting effects. We're going to see more of that today because uh, now we're starting to see these breaches and actually getting information about them in a timely manner. So definitely, mm-hmm. definitely stay tuned for the second half of the show. Oh, what a teaser trailer. Daniel, will you be joining us for the second half of the show? I mean, I guess I'll stick around. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> we we chained him to the desk. He doesn't in, uh, have a choice. In fact, why, why even film the first half of the show? Why don't we just... <laughs> just jump ahead. Yeah. We well, can do whatever we want, Don. <laughs> we make the rules here. <laughs> well, unfortunately, we can't jump ahead to the second half of the show because I have questions about these articles in the first half. And a lot of questions, and they need answers. Stat. I'm not a doctor. I can't say that word. Okay, we'll go ahead and jump in, though. We've got some some good news this week in the world of IT. So this first one uh, has to do with some stuff going on in the cloud. ICANN proposes creating .internal domain, and this domain would do the same job as the 192.168.such-and-such IP. And this is from the register. And I kind of read through this, and if it's doing the same job as this... IP address, what would be the point of creating a domain? So this is actually a, I, I can't help but think, like a extremely delayed response to something that happened a couple of years ago. And uh, so this would have been before you were on the show, Sophie. But Daniel, you, before you were born. Before you were born. But before she was on the show. Yeah. Uh, Daniel, you probably remember, though, a couple of years back, we covered Remind me. when... when uh, they started adding all the new top-level domains. Yeah. Right? Remember when they added, like, dot .museum and, and yeah. all these other dot yeah, .whatevers? Vaguely. Uh, that they chose to add dot .corp, C-O-R-P. Yes. Right? And there was a, a, a big amount of concern there because in the early days of Microsoft Active Directory, you had to pick a domain name, right? right. And some companies didn't have domain names back then, or, or they just didn't care. And then Microsoft said, yeah, you know what you can do is you can just use something, something dot .corp, as your internal, because it's not a real TLD, right. right? It's a fake TLD, whatever, just use it. And then you fast forward 20 years, and all of a sudden they're making it a real TLD. And you got these companies that have internal private domains that now an attacker could buy the .corp version of it and do a... a yeah, they're kind of hosed at that point, right? They are, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and so there were a lot of people at the time saying, like, don't make .corp. It's, it's going to be a big problem, but, you know, ICANN doesn't care. It's just, well, Microsoft shouldn't have told people to use fake domains. So anyhow, that, that was years yeah. ago. So the megalomaniacs over at ICANN decided. <laughs> you fast forward to today, and they're saying, hey, how do we prevent that kind of stuff in the future, right? Uh, well, you know, it's really a problem in the past. Yeah. But <laughs> how do we prevent Anachronistically. <laughs> and so what they proposed is doing uh, dot internal. So you can use whatever you want dot internal, and your computer will know not to go to like external DNS servers for those lookups, and DNS servers will not do it recursively. They'll either have the answer or they won't, and and that'll be that. Uh, useful for a it couple of things. Seems like a good solution to their problem. Yeah, I, I know a, a lot of systems use dot local. Oh yeah, you, you'll see that one yep. a lot. Or uh, my my little system that I have at home uses dot lan, uh, but those aren't. Reserved and and in theory those could become real top level domains mm-hmm. one day dot local and dot land and then 
you know, I'd, so I'd be in the same situation. I can say we are putting our stamp of approval on this is what's going to be done and this is how the protocol is going to interpret a dot internal right. domain, whereas you're just kind of throwing something on the end there to keep it available. Like you said, there's nothing to stop an attacker from trying to discover those and buy those and use those. Right. And I, I hate that the register said it does the same job as 192.168.xx because it doesn't. It, it's not <laughs> oh, the same thing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's not just that one IP range because, you know, you could use 172.16 through 31. You could use 10. whatever. Uh, those would all be considered internal, non I like to say non-routable LANs are totally routable inside your network. They're not routable across the internet, right? They're, they're local-only networks. They're private IP ranges. And then in IPv6, you have the same thing, right? And so this would apply to IPv6. Really, any any network that uses the domain naming system, this would apply to. So I think it's a good idea. I, I do kind of wish they would have done .local, but I guess they... They wanted to pick something that was a little more meaningful in other languages or that people would look at it. Uh, there were some other proposed names that were pretty dumb. Uh, <laughs> so so this is the one. It, it's a proposal right now, uh, but it's got a lot of support behind it. So I, I would expect to see this become a thing. Yeah, I totally would expect that. I mean, like like you said, the, we've got a legitimate issue. We need a legitimate solution to that. This seems like it's going to do a fairly good job of it, actually. Yeah. Yep. Uh, one of the ones that uh, the the reg called out was dot private was a suggestion. Interesting. And and I I didn't I, I didn't like that one so much, but not for the reason they had. Don wanted dot peaches. <laughs> <laughs> well, dot private honestly, it made me just think it was like you know dot triple X or whatever. Oh, like, right, but, right, right. But, but, uh, but that they would were be saying, dot privates. Right? <laughs> no way. Right. So I was but, like, it's getting weird out there on the internet again. <laughs> there you go. But they were saying that people might see it and assume that it meant it was a secure connection, hmm. right? Like, oh, you know, th this must have TLS. It's oh, not private. It's private, right? Yeah. When in actuality, that extension doesn't. Your grandma's like, is this how I get on that Tor network? Yeah. <laughs> it's that dark web. <laughs> yeah. I want to buy something. Yeah, get me some creds. <laughs> yeah. Uh, where's, those, where's those marketplaces you keep talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I always wanted to shop on the Silk Road. Yeah. <laughs> Here's my chance. <laughs> Grandma's oh, buying some yeah. grade A heroin. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> oh, so they press it into like a DVD and send it to you, huh? <laughs> right in the mail. <laughs> oh, my grandma's going to have some questions yeah. after this episode. Yeah, she is. <laughs> what is Tor? Explain yeah, it to me. Grandma Goodwin's got some. <laughs> <laughs> she is, yeah. Real, real twisters up there. So, so I, I went into the comments just to see what, what other people thought about this, because I can't just have my own opinion, you know? And um, somebody made some joke about using a, a song lyric, but it looks like it's in German, so I, I don't understand the joke a maybe song lyric? it yeah it's like this super super long i think they were kidding oh this is what i use for my top level domain and it looks like maybe it's german or something i googled it i couldn't find anything okay. um, but anyway so yeah maybe maybe it'll be familiar to you but somebody commented under it and talked about the the 64 character limit for top level domains i didn't realize that the character limit was that large i understand it's you know like for passwords and stuff mm -hmm. you don't want to you know put a tiny character limit but for something like this realistically who's going to use a top level domain that's 64, 64 characters, characters. Long? yeah, yeah. Uh, and and that's just the top level domain though. So the the actual domain name could be much longer. I think it's right. two fifty six or something. It, it's a much yeah. higher number. Yeah. Uh, and the the I know the original reason for it was that the top level domain servers, the the servers that are responsible for it, the the root hint servers. It, in the early days, there were only like thirteen of them, and, and now they're clusters. And there's a lot more, but it, it's a shared infrastructure, and so they needed to be resource sensitive on it. Don, didn't so you they tell had me at one time you had a notepad with every. Oh, yeah. Internet IP written on it like in the in the early days like, yeah. of the internet, you so could do that. There like, wasn't an actual lot of 
stuff on the internet at one mm-hmm. time. Yeah, like as you recall <laughs> before before Google yeah. and and when when Yahoo was still a manual operation where Yahoo yeah. was like manually curating results even before that you just had to to learn like oh yeah I can go to this IP and there's a site that has what information your, on Linux. What and, were your favorite search engines that that came out through the years before Google became like a you the, know um, the search engine? I used Lycos for a long Lycos, time yeah. and they're they're long gone. Ask um, Jeeves was a was a popular one for mm-hmm. a while. I used Alta Vista. Yeah, was probably yeah. my favorite for quite some time. Do you remember uh, Asta La Vista? Maybe that's what it was. So Alta Asta Vista La... was the right. one that was, was on the up and up. No, Asta La Vista. That's what it was. You're right. You're yeah, right. but if I you wanted the that. the like, if you were in the early cybersecurity career, right. or if you you know wanted to bootleg stuff, that was the search engine you used. Or you were just interested in things, Don. <laughs> if you wanted that copy of the Anarchist Cookbook, that was the oh, engine. Oh, totally had that. Yep. Totally had yeah, that. Yeah. Sophie. <laughs> I don't even know what I did wrong. So, like you That's said, makes it worse. Like, well, most of the time, I'm I'm, a, I'm at least a little bit lost in all things. So, but I find my way as I go. So it's fine. Do you know the Anarchist Cookbook? I I don't believe I'm familiar with their work. No, no, no. The so, poor man James Bond books. Those were the. You, uh, you those say were that better, like it's yeah. gonna shed light on anything for so me the, i don't the anarchist cookbook um i forget when it was written it was like created in the 80s i believe yeah and um, it started making its rounds on like irc and stuff and it what it was was a a book of basically like forbidden instructions so it had like how to build on napalm and how to build pipe bombs yeah. and i see that now how to pick <laughs> she's over here looking it up how to should i not it. be doing You're that on a watch list now <laughs> well, it had how to Oopsie. pick locks it yeah. had like other things too and the idea was that this was information that that should be protected under free speech, right? right? But that the government didn't like people sharing. Right. And so in the <laughs> early days of the internet, it was a, a perfect vehicle for sharing information like that. It was, hey, this is free speech and we want to get it out there. Right. And uh, and so you could find it all over the place. It, it is not illegal. Some people, yeah. I think you can go on Amazon and buy it now. Um, although it, it, it's got stuff in there that, yeah, it could Probably get you on a watch list. Yes. <laughs> oh. And as a as a like a, a preteen boy when that thing stuff that, that came out, where at least I was able to get my hands on it because yeah. the internet was kind of a thing, or not preteen, I guess I was a teenager when that happened, but it was just fascinating. We just, uh, me and my friends just wanted to learn, and we were like, oh, let's make some of this stuff. Yep. Good news is we didn't hurt ourselves much. <laughs> yeah, you're sitting there with your Slayer shirt on, listening yeah, to some yeah, Nine Inch Nails, yeah, reading the Anarchist yes, Cookbook. It's that it. was... it's how, that's how it goes. <laughs> Yeah, Interesting. It's like you, like you reached days. back in time. And, so, <laughs> and it was a Metallica shirt. Oh, all right. All right. Wow. All right. This is uh this is new to me. I don't know what I was expecting, but it was not that. So yeah. thank yeah. you for teaching me. And um hopefully I don't get in trouble for that. Yeah. Hopefully I don't uh, <laughs> so he has a few uh, less fingers uh, next yeah, week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I got the styrofoam and the gasoline, right? And then I put it together. <laughs> Luckily, everybody in charge of me is in this room. So oh, if I'm going to get in trouble, it'll happen pretty fast. Uh, well, like, going back to the article. Uh, like to- article? That's dumb. <laughs> what are you we're even talking about? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there we like, are in Sicily, right? I'll have to. <laughs> like Don had said, the uh, the .internal domain is, is still it's not. A thing. The creation of it has not been signed off on yet. But it doesn't mean, uh, I, guess, I guess you can still use it. It's just, what is it, an ad hoc TLD is what they call it? So uh, Yeah, yeah. You can still use it. It's just not, like, official. So but it, Yeah, if you use it, you could potentially end up in that situation where maybe they don't create the TLD, and then down the road it becomes a commercially available TLD, Ooh. and now you're, now you're hosed. Yep. Uh, oh, okay, so maybe don't take the chance. See, I don't know. I can't provide advice on this stuff. No. But I'd be curious to know. 
what you all think about that. We love yeah, to I hear mean, your... We can't provide advice on it either. Like, no, yeah. Nobody knows exactly what's going to happen <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah. No. Oh, good. We're on the same page here. Awesome. <laughs> yes. Awesome. That, that doesn't happen a lot, so I'm glad. Well, I'm curious to see... Uh, we, we love hearing your comments and, and questions about these things. So if you think that you'll be using the dot .internal domain... Let us know. Yeah. Let us know exactly what you're going to be using it for and where we yeah. can find it. And just so we can buy it. <laughs> yeah. Just browse to technado.local. No, not yeah. internal. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> not technado.private. That's a different thing. Yeah. It's not real. It's not real. It's weird there. We'll, <laughs> we'll move on. Uh, this, this next article comes to us from Tom's Hardware. MS-DOS and Windows 3.11 still run train dashboards at German Railway. Now, this is something that it says a company listed an admin job for a 30-year-old operating system, and uh, people with the requisite experience might already have retired. But I feel like this is something that, like, I know, Daniel, you and I have talked about it before in, in like, courses and stuff, that if you have systems that are, like, people are relying on them quite mm -hmm. a bit, and it's difficult to take them offline to upgrade them, they just won't upgrade or update them. They'll just leave them the way they are. Do you think that's what happened here? I, I would assume that's exactly what has happened here. They've, it's not broke. It's right. working. Leave it alone. It's probably air gapped and all the uh, standard security measures that were common for the time that this system was implemented was most likely. And, and again, they don't see any issue. So just keep letting it run. Now, this is a train station. I don't know how much traffic goes through this train station, how big of a disruption it would be for them to try to shut it down and like how, how would you even in place rebuild something like that you would have to build an entire test network with test trains and make sure everything works before you were able to flip over from one operating system to another so it would be a big massive undertaking to to get it switched which is probably why it's still happening I don't know what they're going to do with this kind of stuff and how <laughs> eventually because I know there's like power plants and water well, you know, water systems that are running on old operating systems to this day. And eventually that stuff is going to fail. Yeah. You know, I, I, this one's a little stranger to me, though, because, you know, normally when you hear about it, it's they've got some old COBOL application. Right. And in order for you to like, let's say you came in one day and said, hey, it's time to modernize. Yeah. You'd have to rewrite that from scratch. You couldn't reuse that COBOL nope. code. You'd have to choose a new language, which means all new libraries. Right. It, it, I mean, be, you're going from being on a database or like a like a, like a mainframe, a mainframe yeah. and now into servers. And it's like, it's just a completely different architecture. It doesn't do the same stuff. Right. But in this case, because it's Windows 3.11, and obviously we, right. we can't PC. see the source code, we yeah. don't know. It's likely just a 16-bit application, either a right. DOS or a Windows application. And hey, in, in Windows 95, you could still run 16-bit. Yeah. And, and I wonder if they could virtualize the environment inside of a... I'm, I'm sure they could, but you mentioned like SCADA systems, yeah. and usually it's hardware drivers that are the, the challenge, mm. right? So if there's a hardware driver written for some kind of Unix-based system, getting that working under a modern OS can be challenging. Can be challenging yeah. Here, if it's a hardware driver for Windows 3.11 or you know, mm -hmm. DOS... Those usually aren't that hard to port over mm. to to newer systems, and so here it, to me, I mean, it highlights just a lack of investment. They just it, don't it, care. <laughs> I, I think so, and uh, could be. Th that's how it was with ATM machines, and it, it might not be like this today. But I, I worked, uh, I worked for a bank mm -hmm. back in um, I don't know, two thousand and eight or yeah. so, so fifteen years ago. Up until they looked um, at his bank account, went, "Where's all this and, money coming from?" <laughs> and it was just a fraction of a percent. Yes, a they fraction, shouldn't have noticed. Uh, but uh, <laughs> you got the decimal place in the wrong spot. I do always does something. Time. Yeah. Uh, but the the ATM machines ran OS2. Oh, yeah. And OS2 had long since not been supported, but because it was these isolated machines, 
that didn't have network access per se. So it was like completely isolated that there really wasn't an attack vector somebody could use to get into it. Well, I mean, there's always an yeah, attack vector, but they were, they were relatively safe. Uh, and so they, they just didn't care to upgrade them. It was, mm. eh, it's OS2, but it's right. fine. It's working. It's working. Leave it alone. It ain't broke. Don't fix it. Yeah. And I think that's what's happening here yeah, just, is it's probably an isolated system. Yeah. But that's, that, you never that know. That was my first guess. <laughs> so but we agree. If I were to take that job, I'll tell you one thing I would appreciate, and that is the ability to run ski-free on uh, on the systems that I work on. Do you remember that game? Was that, I did not play that game, no. That, I, I never had a 3-1 system. Oh, you missed yeah, out. I missed out. Yeah, you missed That's out. That's okay. I didn't have one either. Yeah. So, you know, you and me, we're, we're just alike. I remember my grandfather, his computer had it, and I was like, oh, this is like Windows 95, except weirder. Yeah. <laughs> like, why do you have all this text? What is all, what's the text? Why don't you just run the Windows part? Because, you know, you could fire up a, a Windows graphic. Yeah, uh, that was new for a lot yeah. of people back then. Yeah, but ski free was a little game where you had a you're skiing down a mountain. Yeah, and you could you know like jump these little ramps and dodge rocks and trees. But uh, the programmer who created it didn't really know how to manage memory very well, oh. and so at a certain point it would run out of memory. So his solution was once you get to a certain point, a little yeti would just come out and eat you. Uh, and, so you can't. There's no like winning the, the game. game. There's yeah. no winning the game. You get to the yeti or you don't. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so being Eaten by a yeti yeah. was the was the win. That's death the is, end game. Yeah. Death is That's the, the ultimate victory. Right. Yes. <laughs> That's what that means. Death is but a doorway. That. Time is but a window. I'll, I'll be, be back. back. <laughs> okay, I see. All right. Yeah. It's the guy behind you. <laughs> Takes me a little bit to yeah. get it, but okay. All right. All so right. I look at these uh, these comment sections, and a lot of times they look like our conversations here, where if you like skipped ahead a minute in Technado, you'd be like, how the hell did they get to where they are right now, what they're talking about? Because initially, you know, it's, oh, you know, I, if, as long as this isn't connected to the internet, right? right. No, it's no problem. Da, da, da. You then skip it's to the, Vigo the Carpathian. Right. You, <laughs> you skip to the next page and it's like, well, if you're going to talk about Roller Coaster Tycoon, it's like, how, where did you get that? This is not the same thing. Uh, so Yeah. Good times. So, so that's always fun to, to jump in the comments and look around there. But yeah, I mean, like you guys had said, if this isn't if it's just kind of isolated, then it's probably not really an issue. But it is a, a neat thing to read about. It's a novel thing to read about, I guess. Um, yeah, it's just so, kind of interesting to hear that those mm -hmm. systems are still kicking around and and being useful, right? It's not like oh, this is just a novel thing. We're gonna right? They they're actually doing something to make people's lives better. Yeah, and it's what forty year old tech, thirty at least thirty yeah. something year old tech. Yeah, crazy. Somebody said they think it's because Germans just like old stuff. Germans and Brits. They just like old castles and old houses and old operating systems. So they yeah. think that's why. Yeah. That's an interesting theory, but uh, something, yeah. something tells me there's more to it than that. Generally, and, and this is kind of off the topic, but uh, generally in Europe, their technology infrastructure is newer than ours. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. you know, they have like a, a, you know, broadband access and stuff is far superior in Europe than it is here in the U.S. because of after World War II, when all the infrastructure was destroyed, they rebuilt it. Versus us in mm -hmm. the U.S., where our infrastructure was still around from the early 1900s, and so that's like a 40-year gap where they got to jump ahead. Like Japan is that way, right? Because because of the bombings that we did, we destroyed a lot of their major yeah. cities and infrastructure, and they got to rebuild from the ground up. They and and just to be clear, I'm not saying that's a fair trade. No, no, right? no, no. it's just, just what happened. That, that's yeah. what happened. That's yeah. an observation. <laughs> <laughs> Next week on Don gets canceled. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, duh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's our thumbnail. It's just yeah. you doing that. There's better <laughs> ways to upgrade your infrastructure. Yeah, way better. <laughs> I mean, ultimately, they probably just have to start building new things and then eventually sundown the old stuff. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. 
Well, speaking of upgrades, this next article comes to us from Ars Technica, and this is a, a review of a relatively new laptop. Frameworks Laptop 16 is unique, laudable, fascinating, and flawed. It says it's got womp great womp. ideas, but yeah, womp womp. Awkward limitations in Frameworks 16-inch sequel. Now, I'm curious if this is something that, sometimes we I look at these reviews and I'm like, oh, interesting. You know, I, I read them like, oh, maybe it's really not that good, or maybe this is the next big thing. And then you guys talk about it and you're like, this is crap, or this is great. So I'm curious yep. what y'all's opinion is on this. So uh, basically, framework. We've talked about framework a number of times yeah, on the show because I didn't read uh, this article. Okay, so <laughs> I, I like framework. I like the company. I like what they I like they the stand idea for. It, right? Yeah, yeah. You, Great. You, all modular components. You can replace anything. They sell spare parts on their site. Uh, when you buy it, it comes with a screwdriver. You know, so they they don't void your warranty if you open it up, oh. and it's really easy to work with. Kind of sounds fun. Um, I had one for a little while. Ultimately, did. I didn't keep it because of the non-standard screen resolution. Uh, well, I shouldn't say it's non-standard. Plenty of people yeah, use that yeah. resolution. Was but it four by three? What was it? It was uh, sixteen by ten. Oh, sixteen by ten. Like, like right. Microsoft okay. Surface. It was yeah, super yeah, yeah. annoying. Uh, it, annoying for us. If you create video content like we do, it needs to be by sixteen nine. by nine. Yeah. And so it's nice to have a laptop that's in that same resolution. And and the framework wasn't set. So that, that was the number one thing that got me hmm. to steer away from it. Uh, my favorite feature on it was that the ports along the side of the laptop were removable and you could pick and choose what you wanted. So the regular framework laptop had four of these modules. If you wanted four USB-C, you could have it. If you wanted two USB-C, two USB-A, if you wanted four HDMI, you could do it. Like you had that flexibility. You could go display crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go nuts. Why not? I, I don't know that the CPU could really handle that, but because uh, it had a pretty crappy graphics card. <laughs> but <laughs> anyhow, <clears throat> so it was it was neat. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I've been wondering as the years go by when they're going to release a new version. Now, Technado is not the uh, reporting powerhouse that you might think we are. <laughs> uh, and so companies don't send us stuff ever. And, <laughs> and so so I had no idea that Framework was launching a new laptop and all the reviews and things were under embargo that just lifted. And so a ton of reviews are dumping onto the market and the reviews are a mix. Some people like it. Some people don't. Um, but I think it's important to acknowledge like what they did right and what they did wrong. And on the positive side, they've gone bigger. So it's a 16-inch screen now. The, the previous one was 13. So it's a bigger screen, which means a bigger laptop. Mm. And that's allowing them to do some extra stuff. Instead of four removable modules, now it has six. Ooh. Yeah, like three on each side. It's pretty cool, like total flexibility. Uh, the keyboard, I think, is really neat. So when you, when you look at the keyboard... There's these spacers on the left and right side of it that mm. you can pick colors and I don't know, be like Apple or something. But uh, but these are spacers, you can take the spacers out and slide the keyboard to the left or right and add a numerical keypad in the gap. Hmm. So if you want a full size keyboard with a number key, whatever um, ten key, whatever they call yeah. it. Um, you can drop that in there. If you don't want it, you can take it out. And the keyboard's held in by magnets, so you can actually do it on the fly. Oh, that's and, cool. And move back and forth. Yeah. I, I get annoyed when my keyboard is off-centered. Uh, so here you could have it centered most of the time when that you needed the 10 key. That is annoying, right? Yeah. yeah that is super annoying. That and when they move the touchpad off center. I don't know why they do that. I'm looking at our laptops. Uh, it's a little, it's do a little it. off -center. I have one of yeah. those as well. And it's like, why is this over here? Yep. Why is it not right here? I don't know why they do that. Yeah, because um, they hate us. That's you, why. If you out there, it's a, it's a big screw to you to the customer. <laughs> if you know why they do that, let us know. Like, yes, because yeah, it, it is weird. Um, you know, Sophie, your keyboard. Oh, you've got a full ten key on yours. I do. The trackpad's a little off to the left, which is weird because I'm not left-handed. That's what so we're it's, saying. It's a little so, awkward to. 
the the touchpad on yours is mm-hmm. centered up with the keyboard. If you if you right. pretend oh, the ten key all... wasn't there, right. I see. Yeah. Um, but it is there. It so is. Yeah. why do they not center <laughs> the effing <laughs> the touchpad in the middle? Uh, it's so ins- it's like it will drive you crazy because you go to, and you're like oh, it's over here, and yeah. then you're like doing this, and if you're like on a web call or whatever. You you're kind of off center yeah. because you're trying to center you're diagonal up the on the yeah. on the webcam. It's so dumb. All right, let's let's keep going on the positive things. Okay, uh, I mentioned <laughs> that the graphic adapter was pretty mediocre in the 13 inch and the yeah. 16 inch. It, it is as well, but they also <laughs> have where you can get a full blown. I think it's like a Radeon 6600 or something. Mm. I forget what the model is. Um, that's a, a module that slides into the back. And it increases the weight and size of the laptop, but it gives but you, you get the power too. Yes, it gives you a full blown graphics adapter. Um, oh, it's a Radeon seventy seven hundred, a whole generation higher than what I said a second yeah. ago. Um, so that that's neat. You know, I mean, if, that's if you want great, it, great though, because how often do you need a powerhouse graphics card if you're sitting there doing spreadsheets, surfing the web, doing whatever that kind of stuff? You don't need that stuff. Yeah. So the, having the ability, to like, okay, I'm going to be do something much more graphically intense or intensive. I can now. Plug in my graphics card, get much more power out of it, and do what I need to do, and then yeah. pull it off when I don't need it. I, I like that. The uh, the reporter over at the Verge, he he did a thing where he was saying like when when he went to CES, he 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 left the graphics card at home. You know, just take it out, make the laptop lighter, and he goes out there and does his reporting. When he gets back home, pop the graphic card on there, right, do and, all his editing, do all the yeah. stuff he needs to do. Yeah, yeah, and and you can't do that hot. You got to like shut it down, change it out, boot it back up. But but it's still, still neat that you can do it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'd say that's stuff they're doing right. On the stuff they're doing wrong side, it's still made out of pretty cheap plastic. So, mm-hmm. you know, the the, the framework this. laptops feel cheap yeah. when, when you feel them. Um, so do Lenovo's. Uh, some of them do. That one right there, I have that same model. And it's it's, it's very this one? it's very plasticky feeling, yeah. like cheapy feeling. Yeah. And and it was much less expensive. I got it inter- internally phenomenal. 40 gigs of RAM. You know, it, at the time I bought it, it was the you know, top of the line Intel processor. You know, a lot of great internal stuff, but the outside is kind of chintzy. Yeah. 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 That is something Apple does a good job with, with the aluminum right. case or whatever, or, you know, my, my that Asus is a good feel. one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the number one problem, though, and, and I saw this in pretty much every review that I read, I have not cancer. had a chance to get my hands Causes on it. Causes cancer. Uh-huh. Uh, well, it might, but. <laughs> that's that's unfounded. I'm just making a joke. <laughs> that's this is the the same complaint I have with System seventy six laptops, and I have owned several of those. Do they do like Harrier jump jets? Fan noise. Yep. Yep. Fan noise is ridiculously loud, and to me that that's a showstopper. Like yeah. I, I, I'm sitting here, Daniel. You've got a MacBook. Yep. Uh, I'm on an Asus Expert Book. Sophie, you're on a Lenovo ThinkPad. Mm-hmm. I don't hear a fan running at all. Nope. Right. Yeah. And and we've all got our browsers open. You've got Teams open. We're doing normal workloads now. If you're gaming, right? Yeah. If you're throwing up, you expect it. You expect it, but on those System seventy six laptops, bro, I could be looking at my desktop, like not even. <laughs> I, had, I had one too, right? I had the Galgo, mm-hmm. and that Joker. It did. You, you were just like, I'm gonna make a note on Notepad or whatever. And you're like, what is what is going on? Why is this yeah. thing ramping up? Yeah. So my ran I, super hot. My I had a Galgo and I had a lemur. I had two lemurs, and, yeah. and all three of them loud, loud fans. Yeah. Um, the framework 13, the fans were tolerable, which is not exactly yeah. a positive statement <laughs> about a device. Uh, but it sounds like on the framework 16, 
be ready for it. It's a, it's like somebody running a leaf blower outside your window. Um, not pleasant. Man, we got to figure this out, right? We can put a man on the moon, but we can't get a laptop to stop hey, trying to take off from the, the desk. You know, there are companies like Noctua yeah. where they, they specialize in making quiet fans. So I don't know why these companies don't do, I mean, what they, they need to do is, is one, use quieter fans, right? right? And then two, have fan profiles that better measure the temperature of their processor mm. so they can respond. Like they don't have to be zero or a hundred percent. Yeah. They could run at 10%. Yeah. And, but they don't. And you get this crazy. So I've also got like a, a newer MacBook Air has no fans, mm. zero fans in it. And it will get hot, but only under certain circumstances does it usually get like that warm. But for the most part, yeah. It runs fairly cool. It's all aluminum body, so the the body is part of the cooling system. Um, yeah, I like not having fan ramp. Yeah, yep. I had a uh, or I have actually. It's running right now. A Raspberry Pi at home where the fan was kind of noisy on it. Yeah, and I I started looking at the temperature on the processor, and I'm like, wait a minute, this is within tolerance. I just took the fan out. Yeah, and so now it runs like. 10 degrees Celsius hotter, yeah. but it's still within its tolerance. So I'm like, so well, what do I care? Yeah. I'm not licking it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sit in my lap. <laughs> well, I mean, this is something that I, I was actually not familiar with with framework too much. So mm-hmm. it sounds like a, a cool idea to be able to kind of customize it the way that you want it and have the fact that it comes with a screwdriver, I think is great. Yeah. Um, just shows that like they expect you to, to take this thing apart and, and adjust it to your needs. But if, specifically for this, this new one, the Framework Laptop 16, I'm looking at the price, and it says pre-built. It's about twenty five hundred dollars. It's expensive. Which yeah. Is a lot, uh, and I'm looking down at like the, the the pros and cons, right? And towards the end, they talk about gaming. Um, so they ran Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven on it, and it didn't. The the FPS was not great, and it basically said it's not bad for gaming, but you have to set your expectations accordingly. So, but what I'm getting at here is the price of this laptop. I would imagine it's only worth it if you're doing certain things on your laptop. If you're looking to do something like gaming, you might as well just go buy a laptop specifically designed for yes. that because it's going to be way better quality and maybe even a little bit cheaper. So someone who is not a modern gamer, I don't I don't really play modern games at all. I don't have a system. I don't my PC isn't built up so I can do that kind of thing. I've noticed that FPS is a very important piece of the puzzle for most modern gamers. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Well, I mean, if you're pl- especially if you're playing a game that requires like quick, re- quick reaction time, I-, I don't game a lot on my PC. Like, like give me an example. Okay, so, so I, I can, don't know. Let's yeah. just say like Call of Duty. If you're playing Call okay. of Duty and you you want to be able to t- you know move fast and turn and see people and whatever, gotcha. most of the time when I'm playing, it's on a console. Yeah. But the few games that I have played on a PC, if you know, it's my the, old PC at home yeah. and it's not super fast, so it's annoying because it's it glitches a little bit or it lags. Gotcha. That's a big thing. Is yeah. like you don't want your game to lag. So. I would imagine that that's probably a big part of it. And correct me if I'm wrong, if you're a, a serious gamer, because I'm I'm a casual enjoyer. Um, but something like a laptop like this, Christian, our director just said, low frames are ugly. So yeah. there you I, go. I, don't, well, I mean, that that doesn't. Yeah. So you know, you mentioned Cyberpunk 2077. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have played it or not, but like it is a visually beautiful game. Oh, like it yeah. is really the amazing. They make now are just and insane. When you have ray tracing turned on, the way that light is rendered, yeah. it, I mean it is just it's beautiful. Yeah. And so you're you're downtown in this futuristic city. All the buildings have crazy neon signs and skyscrapers everywhere, right? Yeah. So as you pan your camera around, if there's a skyscraper in the background, it's got to be rendering light all the way up to the top of that skyscraper yeah. to make it show. Because in the old games, they just put fog there. Screw it. You can't yeah. see. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but in the new ones, they, they want you to be able to see all the way through that. And the rendering effort there, if it starts dedicating GPU resources to it, yeah. it starts dropping frames. 
And, and when it makes you, it jittery and glitchy. If you get below 60 frames, you can see it with your eye and you know it, it's you. choppy movement, right? But when it's over 60 frames per second, you get this nice glide. Now, there are people who want to be at like 200 frames per second. And I, I forget at what point, but there is a point where the human eye can't perceive it anymore. Yeah. And I think that's dumb. So <laughs> yeah. so for me, I'm, I'm happy at 60 frames. I'm happy at 30 frames, to be honest with you. But so that, yeah, so I, I grew up on a 30 frame per second. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, everything looks fine. Let's just go. I just want to play the game. If the game is fun, then I'm happy. But if it's causing glitches where you're you're missing shots or yeah. whatever the case is, right. then I, I totally get that. Yeah. Right, yeah. If it's just a, if you're just chilling, you're playing Animal Crossing, it yeah. doesn't matter as much. But yeah, for a game like that, or a game where, yeah, you're you're wanting to experience, it's a beautiful game visually, and yeah. you want to, if you're going to pay for the game, you want to experience it the way it's supposed to be experienced. So anyway, my point in, in bringing any of that up, I know this is not, it's off topic. Once Technical again, gaming. Shocker. Yeah, technical yeah. gaming. Yeah. Uh, but my point in bringing that up is like, uh, for me personally, if I was more into that kind of stuff, and I'm gonna drop that kind of money on a laptop. I'm just gonna go get one that's specially built for that. So I guess for a laptop of this price, it, who's gonna be buying this? Who yeah. is it worth it for? So it it's still, in my opinion, it's still a bit of a hobbyist or somebody who just wants to support the cause kind of, mm. of thing, you know. Um, and, and I feel the same is true about System 76. Like mm -hmm. System 76, this is gonna sound harsh, but they don't make a good product, right? And and they don't make most of their product. They're just rebranding stuff they buy from China anyway. So, uh, uh, but they've gone through the effort of making sure that it's compatible with Linux so that you don't have to worry about anything. You install Ubuntu on there right. or their um, uh, Pop OS and, yep. and, and all the drivers work, like everything just works out of the box and so on. Like that, that's what they do. And so people buy those devices because they want to support that. They want to encourage that kind of development. And in the future, down the road, eventually we'll get that product that is what, what we all want. They're, and they're planting the seeds for trees that they'll never sit under the shade. Yes. Or probably maybe, won't. yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Technology tends to work a little faster. So, so yeah, it's still possible. Yeah. So I, I think that a lot of what framework is doing is is the right thing. Mm. And and you are seeing Dell and some of the other manufacturers starting to copy some of the things that the framework is doing. I just hope that framework gets to benefit from it and not Dell, right? Yeah. But we'll we'll see. Well, Dell will just purchase framework and could, <laughs> right? yeah. that's that's what'll happen. We can't compete with this, so we'll just buy it. <laughs> Wow, I, I love these optimistic yeah. <laughs> future future viewpoints. Well, I know we, we went down a couple of rabbit trails in the first half of the show, so we'll give you some time to think about it. Leave your comments. Let us know what you think uh, if you're watching on YouTube. If you're watching or if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, maybe jump over to our channel, leave us a comment, and like this episode if you're enjoying it so far. We'll give you some time to do that. We're going to take a quick break and collect ourselves, and we'll be back with some security news here on Technado. Tired of trying to schedule your team's time around in-person learning? Isn't it a bummer to spend thousands of dollars on travel for professional development? What if we said you can save money and time and still provide your team with the best training possible? The answer to your woes is live online training from ACI Learning. With live online training, we provide our top in-person courses in private, online, instructor-led formats. You get to provide professional development in a manner that fits today's expectations. Entertaining, convenient, and effective. Our exam-aligned courses inspire the full potential of your team. Visit virtual instructor-led training at ACI Learning for more info. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking around with us through the break. And if you are enjoying this episode and you haven't already, feel free to subscribe to the channel so you never miss an episode of Technado in the future. You can check out all of the old episodes that live here on the channel, as well as, as well as lots of other cool stuff. And you might see our faces in some of these other videos. So I recommend you check them out. But I know why you're here. You're waiting for those security articles that Don gave us a little teaser on earlier. So we'll go ahead and jump right in. We won't dilly-dally. This first one is part of one of my favorite segments. Dope! Oh. 
One of the better? better. Okay. Yeah. I should I should do a compilation of all of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See which how, how they compare. Christian, that's on you, yeah. bro. You gotta go yeah. back through every there single episode that has dough in it. New YouTube short. And just make a dough compilation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I said I wasn't gonna get off track. We can auto-tune it and set it to a song. Like jingle bells or something, right? <laughs> dope, dope, dope. <laughs> As, okay, personal project. Yeah. This uh, this article comes to us from Tech Radar. Popular file transfer software has a seriously dangerous change in the mood security bug that gives anyone free administrator rights. Patch it now to avoid another move it like debacle. So it is a popular file transfer software called Go Anywhere Managed File Transfer. How popular is this? Do you guys use this? So uh, I, I don't use okay. it, and, and actually, this might not be the first time you've heard about it because we reported on a Go Anywhere MFT uh, breach, not breach, but a uh, vulnerability, uh, probably six or eight months ago, a, a while back. This is an all new one, so you know, <laughs> don't don't let yourself be outdone by your past cybersecurity track record. But yeah. um, it's like in the last six months or so, eight months that the malicious threat actors have started targeting these applications that transfer files. Now, when you hear about transferring files, I, I think of SFTP, R-Sync, uh, FTP, FTP, SCP, right? Yeah. We, we have all these different protocols for moving files, but those, those require effort, right? <laughs> like, you know, you got to set up a server, you got to create user accounts, you got to get certificates and, and all that. It's, yeah. it's effort. <laughs> but... Effort bad, Don. If you're an enterprise or a government, like, say, the U.S. government, um, you don't want to exert that effort. Instead, you want to exert dollars and pay for enterprise-grade file transfer services. And that's where MoveIt comes in. That's where Go Anywhere MFT comes in. It's not targeted at regular people like you and me for transferring files. It's targeted towards large businesses that need to securely move data from one location to another. And there's there's countless examples where that's a, a thing that's necessary. Well, unfortunately, just because their software is enterprise grade, which by the way, doesn't mean anything, uh, that it doesn't ensure that they have pop proper security protections yeah, in place. Enterprise grade just means enterprises use this. Yeah. I, I would say it's like the word tactical. Uh, have you noticed now, like if, if you go on Amazon or whatever, you can buy a sweater and a sweater's 15 bucks or a tactical sweater yeah. and it's 50 bucks and it's the same sweater, but the one's tactical. <laughs> it's well, got like a little like a uh, Punisher skull on it. That's yeah. It. Yeah. yeah. There's a whole store, the 5.11 store where it's just yeah, yeah. the same old crap you can buy anywhere else, and, but <laughs> twice the price because it's tactical. Well, listen, all the operators use those. <laughs> so many, so many operators. <laughs> so uh, so that's how this enterprise-grade software is. It's just regular software. It's stuff that, you know, like Dropbox and and mm -hmm. so on, nothing special about it. Um, but it's really, it really should be. It, it should have a higher investment in the technology to make sure that it is more secure than the other things that are out there. And this this is a pretty bad one, right? So there's an all-new CVE. It's a 9.8 severity score on it. Uh, and that's just based on the software vulnerability. But when you couple that with the types of data that are being transferred by this, right? Mm -hmm. If you go to their website, what they advertise is, are you a hospital and you need to transfer medical records and make sure you meet HIPAA compliance? Go anywhere MFT is for you, right? That's the type of data we're talking about here. This is highly sensitive data. So 
it's a 9.8 on the severity, but when you couple it with the type of data it's transferring, this is this is really, really significant. I, don't, I know that doesn't factor into the CVSS score. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> it should. I, well, I, I think maybe it ends up being subjective. Like if it was nuclear launch codes, wouldn't we think that's more severe yeah. than whether or not it's your credit card? Yeah, yeah. Well, who knows? Maybe they yeah. do use this for nuclear launch codes. <laughs> we don't know. But um, so this one's bad. And, and an attacker who gains access to the system uh, is able to create new users. And not just regular users, admin users. So that means they blow the lid open once they gain access. Well, what's the problem there, Don? You a couple new admins. Like, help yeah. us out, right? You're in there. While you're in there, you know, clean some things up. No, it's actually a really interesting way that... Uh, so it was Horizon 3 AI, which discovered the vulnerability, and they actually uh, released a point of con- uh, proof of concept code out on GitHub. So it's just a Python script. It's fairly, fairly straightforward. You have an endpoints for the system, so it's all web-based UI, right? So you go into a web, you log in, you can access certain things. There's clickable links, and it takes you to administrative areas. Or if you're just a standard user, you get access to those areas. They discovered that they could access... So you know when you when you install software, a lot of times, especially if you're standing up something like a web-based service, a lot of times they don't give you default creds, which is good, right? Because default creds are... They, they tend to stick around. So instead of doing that, what do we do? We make, you, we make you create a new user once you first instantiate the system. You say, hey, cool, system's up and running. We need an admin user. What do you want to name it? What do you want the password to be? And you go through that. And once you get past that, now you have an admin user. It's completely you know, uh, custom to you and your environment. Nobody else is out there. So that you're not going to go to some website and find, here's the default creds for go anywhere. Right? Cool. What they found was they were able to access, if they were trying to create a new user, they wanted to run that new setup again so they could create that user. They found that they could access that area using a specifically crafted uh, directory traversal attack so they could access that certain thing and then cut that off. Say, don't go all the way and look at the actual XML file that lets you know we have an admin user already created. Go before that. Stop there. I don't see the file. And since I don't see the file to read, you must be starting this for the first time. You need to create a new user. And they go, yes, we do. And they would create their new admin user. And now they were able to log in. Now the file is still good. It's still there. But now they have their own administrative user and they're able to do anything they want. So really a simple mechanism for attack. It just took some digging to find and getting creative with the attack mechanism for getting to what they needed it to do. But once they figure out the magic incantation, it was like, cool, new users and their administrators. I like this game. It's fun. We need to contact, uh, go, uh, uh, go anywhere. Man, let's, let's let them know that there's a problem. And then once that was uh, there, there is, uh, I think they do have a patch for this though. Yep. Uh, and you know, just a clarification, not, not for what we just said, everything's yeah. fine. Um, but when we reported on this like eight months ago or whatever, uh, I wasn't familiar with Go Anywhere at the time, and I thought that it was part of the various go-to solutions that were out there, like GoToMeeting and all those. Not related, completely separate. Uh, The go-to products are all owned by Cisco. Mm. This Go Anywhere advocates its own. Yeah, Fortra. 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 Unfortunate name. Yeah. Like, we're a fortress, but we got this extra door (laughs) over here. We don't watch that one. Yeah. Put Smitty on that. (laughs) Well, I know you had mentioned that there was a uh, another vulnerability in Go Anywhere 
I think last year, and mm -hmm. it was, I looked and it looks like it was a lower severity. So it's, it was like seven point something, and this one's obviously 9.8. So, so they've gotten better? They've, wait, wait well, that's not how it works. No, no. <laughs> the vulnerabilities have gotten more so, severe. So you, there's know what, a, you know what the IOC for this is? You look at the admins groups and see if there's new admins. Yeah. <laughs> you go, oh, that's bad. <laughs> I don't recognize that admin. <laughs> it says no evidence of the vulnerability being exploited in the wild yet, but uh, because, I mean, there's a patch, so right. might as well patch. Might as Just well. Make, yeah. Might as well. You know, why take the chance? Yeah. Might as well. You know, you don't want to take that risk. Uh, and I, I was poking around at the Hacker News had an article on this as well. So um, if you want more information on the specifics, they have more stuff on like the numbers and stuff. You can check that article out as well. But we'll go ahead and move on. We have another uh, another segment. It's another one of my favorites. This one is Who Got Pwned? Looks like you're about to get pwned. Fatality. <laughs> yeah! And, uh, I don't have a voice, you know, for this one. I, it's not like, though, where I can do that. I can't do that voice, I don't think. Kyle, I can't really do that. So uh, we'll <laughs> we'll jump into this next article. It comes to us from IT Pro. Different not IT Pro. Don't, yeah. not, don't get it twisted. Uh, Midnight Blizzard claims another big tech scalp with HPE hack just days after Microsoft breach. And more victims could be coming. Dun, well, dun, dun. Yeah, I was going to say, they always got to put a little thing on there to scare you a little bit. Is this as scary as it sounds? Um, you know, it, it, it's bad. Uh, Midnight Blizzard is making the rounds right now. They are compromising systems, getting into some of these organizations. And surprisingly, they're able to hang about in a, in a couple of cases for like an entire month before they're being caught, which means this is a very effective threat campaign. Uh, and, you know, it, it's something we need to be concerned with. HPE is, uh, you know, HP kind of split in half. So you had the regular HP, which makes, you know, terrible printers and terrible laptops. And then you have HPE, which is HP Enterprise, which makes networking gear, firewalls, and, and so on. So whenever you hear about a company that's making enterprise hardware that has a compromise like this, it goes back to what I was saying in the last article is the the value of the data that's compromised is much, much higher. Uh, but this seems to be a, another state-sponsored attack. Uh, they got into the system, and what they're alluding to, and we haven't seen this yet, but is, you know, could this be setting the stage for another supply chain style attack where imagine if you get a HPE switch to install in your network and the switch's firmware is already compromised, right? Yeah. Before you even plug a power cable into it, like it's coming from the factory compromised and you bring that up in a secure air gap network or whatever, that's that's the risk that we have with something like this. You know, what was interesting about this article on how, you know, we see Midnight Blizzard, also known as APT29, also known as Cozy Bear, also known as Continue, 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 is that they're targeting these big tech companies, these tech giants, Microsoft, here we are, HPE, they are a state-sponsored group. I, I don't see, like, what's the end game, right? You, you talk about a supply chain attack. I think that's probably right on target supply chain attack, but what are they really after? Who, what, what are they trying to get at? And a lot of these companies are utilized by the government, right? Microsoft obviously is going to be used by, because like, they're used by everybody, but if we're enterprise hardware that could be inside of government, like they keep talking about the companies being attacked and not necessarily what could the end game be now. I know that would be all speculative, but at least starting to have that conversation. I just don't see that in these articles. It's just more focused on the fact that big tech was breached mm -hmm. and it was through this APT. They are a state-sponsored group. They are an enemy of this country, That if you're in America, the United States, that is. 
then that that is their main enemy. I wonder if Russian news, like, do their tech news go American threat group? You know, <laughs> Diamond Sun or whatever, you know, <laughs> has attacked us yet again. Uh, are, are we? I mean, obviously, we're doing the same thing. Yeah, I wonder. Let me. Uh, I just never hear about. Uh, it. I'll have to look up. I, I know some of their sites that definitely are what we would label as propaganda, yeah. but you know, they would label as just just yeah. news. Or do they just um, hide that? Have to see. Now, I, I will say on the supply chain side, supply chain hardware attacks. Yeah. I only know of one effective campaign. And that was the and NSA. It, and it was us that yeah. did it. Yeah, where <laughs> the NSA was intercepting Cisco gear as it was leaving the country and Installing adding chips. Yeah, and, and so that, that was us, <laughs> that right? Was us. Um, like I said, I know we're doing stuff. Well, I never hear about that. Do you remember a couple of years back, Supermicro? Uh, there was a there was an Micro. article that was released that said Supermicro is bringing in. And if you're not familiar with Supermicro, Micro they make low cost server motherboards and okay. things. Uh, I love them. I, I use their stuff for all sorts of things. Vaguely remember this. They were saying that uh, the boards were coming. Coming from China already with, with backdoors. There was hardware that was on the motherboard that wasn't in any of the documentation. And they're like, what, what's up with this? Well, it was it was a big news thing. It made a big splash. It went around the the, the circle. And then a lot of people, like myself included, we started looking at it and saying, How does this make any sense? Because it was it was tapped into like a network adapter. And I'm like, if if it's tapped into a network adapter, you'd see traffic on the network. Right. But you know, they weren't seeing anything. And, and and how is it getting data? Like, it just didn't make a lot of sense. And over the next week or two, a lot of people called it into question. And then the whole news story just disappeared. Hmm. It disappeared. Like, nobody ever apologized to Supermicro. Supermicro never sued anybody for libel or slander. It just disappeared. It was super weird. Yeah, that is super uh, weird. And, you know, this should be a tinfoil hat segment now. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh uh, but it just went away. And so with some of these, I kind of wonder, like, you know, would HPE have even told us about this breach in the past? It right. wasn't for that SEC, SEC ruling right. that says you've got to disclose it. Um, I don't know. And then you know, what were they able to do once they were in the system? We might we might not ever find that out. Yeah. And Crazy. I got down a rabbit hole because you guys started talking about American hacker groups. And I was like, I wonder. I cannot find anything on American state-sponsored hacker groups like things like midnight blizzard and stuff so yeah. which of course if you can't find it online that means it doesn't exist so we'll just <laughs> yeah. i'll just leave that yeah. where it lies yeah. pictures or it didn't happen right yeah right exactly oh definitely They've got Couldn't pictures be. of the nsa people putting chips on the cisco boards yeah yeah but that was a long time ago it was. Daniel. <laughs> there's no way that that's still going minute. on yeah no way yeah. that bad things are still happening there's no way something we've done in the past we would ever yeah. do that again in the now, future that... now the question becomes is is russia and china and all the others are they just you know because they they got a little more control over their media than what goes on here. Are they just shoveling that under, you know, sweeping it under the rug or are we just so good at hiding it that they're not detecting it? I can't imagine. I can't imagine that being I mean, the case maybe, either. You know, we, we do have, um, Space Force has a whole cybersecurity division yeah. and we certainly have our own state sponsored stuff. I, so. I have heard that when it comes to hacking, we are definitely tip of the spear. We, we have advanced groups that, that don't get talked about mm. and you're not mm. catching them that, that we have the most advanced out there. And the reason that we keep hearing about people like fancy bear, obviously, or cozy bear, I think they are fancy bear as well. Mm. Um, obviously they're very good at what they do, but they're not good enough to not. 
but they're get pretty damn detected. good. They're pretty because, yeah. good because we yeah. can't even say for certain that it was Midnight them. Buzzard or whatever Blizzard. Is, <laughs> <laughs> Midnight Blizzard is APT twenty nine, right, and right. and we can mm. say they're state sponsored, but we can't say for certain what state it is. Mm. And so I, I would say it's still effective. Yeah, oh, no, I'm mm. not saying they're not. Mm. Absolutely good at their jobs. I think if Midnight Blizzard was an American state-sponsored group, we'd already have a Dairy Queen treat named after it. So we can, you know, it's yeah. just a dark chocolate blizzard. That's They're the... double agents, right? <laughs> I, I do know that, like, hardware supply chain attacks are hard to pull off. Yeah. Software is far easier. Just far, look at the solar yeah. winds breach, yeah. right? And imagine if you were a, a, a Russian citizen you know, in, in the Russian government and you had a machine running Microsoft Windows. Right. Millions of lines of code that's all compiled. You can't see it. You can't review it. You don't know what's in there. Like, yeah. how could you possibly trust software like that? No, uh, you can't. Even even if we were friends, uh, which we sort of were at one point, but aren't and but I haven't been in a while. But uh, <laughs> even if you're friends with another country, like if we get software from the UK. Right. How can you trust something like that when you can't? Well, is, isn't it kind of like a wink and a, and a nod and a nudge that. We're friends, but we're still looking at you. Yeah. And then they have the whole, like, what was it, Five Eyes? I, or I was going to say Five Eyes. Where, yeah. Hey, I know you can't uh, spy on your people because that's illegal, but nothing says we can't. And then me to just go, hey, did you drop this? Yeah. Is this information yours? I found it. And then they go, well, let me look at it and say, oh, my word, this is all about our own people. We'll, we'll review it and make sure. And, you know, we don't usually do the privacy stuff here yeah. on the show. And there was an article I passed on, or it was a whole news story, about uh, how some of our agencies here in the U.S., they're not able to get subpoenas to gather data on U.S. citizens. So instead, they're just going and buying it from private companies right. to gather the data, which is the same thing. Which is the uh, same thing. Yeah, yeah. so there, there's some unfortunate stuff going on there. Well, I want a one-man stage play put on by Daniel of that whole, like, well, I, you can't spy on your people, but nothing says I can. <laughs> yeah. And I want it to just be Daniel. I want it written and directed <laughs> and produced by Daniel. Mm -hmm. I will I will pay money to see that. That can be a new segment on Technado. Yeah. Well, uh, it's probably not the... I'm sure it's not the first time we've talked about Midnight Blizzard and probably not the last. And speaking of news that just keeps coming up, this next segment is called Deja News. Deja News. This is a fun one. It's got a little nice little song. What? So I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the um, comment section and one of the users who I was telling you that comment earlier uh the username was Frodo Douchebaggins. For this article here? For this article. <laughs> well, if that's not a good lead-in, yeah. I don't know what is. Yeah, that's funny. Here on the Ars Technica comment section, this article says, uh, in a major gaffe, a hacked Microsoft test account was assigned admin privileges. All kinds of admin troubles this week. Now, before we get the Frodo Douchebaggins comment, well, let's, let's talk about the meat of the article. <laughs> that is the article. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> it's just a vehicle he's, for us to talk about Frodo Dishbaggins. trolling from the Shire. He's yeah. posting. So what is what is uh what's going on here before we get to all that? All right. So uh this is probably one of the fastest Deja News turnarounds we've had because we just reported on this last week that Microsoft had a breach and it was pretty embarrassing for them because the attackers were able to gain access to a test system. And once they were in that test system, they were able to use it to create accounts with administrative credentials in the not test system and and start to spread throughout the network. And Microsoft was able to stop it and, and clean up the mess. But 
talk about embarrassing. And at the time, we didn't have a ton of details to go on. In fact, when we, we covered the story originally, it was it was me saying, look, here's what these SEC disclosures are going to result in. We're going to learn more about when these breaches happen. Oh, I think Microsoft is not like that. No, they don't, but they're doing it. They, and Because yeah, and, they have to. So this is a, a case of, and you you guys know me probably better than the listeners, but uh, I, I'm not a fan of government regulation mm -hmm. and, and government overreach. But in this case, it it certainly seems to be working in a very positive manner. Mm. Uh, and so this week, we've gotten more details from Microsoft on what happened. And it does not paint a picture of of confidence in Microsoft managing their internal security because what happened was the, the way they were able to pull this attack off is that the attackers got into the test server and the test server had the ability to sign testing applications, but it was also just able to sign applications in general to be able to execute inside of the network, not just test applications. And so they created an application that was able using to be that. signed yeah. using an OAuth credential to make it an administrative account. And from there, they were able to make that leap and, and go crazy. And that's a mistake that was made by a person, right? right. There's some, some human said, here's a test server. It needs app signing credentials. I'm going to give it app signing credentials with way bigger a scope than it should have. In fact, an unlimited scope as opposed to limiting it to only applications that would run in the test environment. And that's that's a big mistake. And that's the kind of thing that Microsoft will blame us for as users, where they'll say, oh, you got hacked. We gave you the tools to protect yourself. You just didn't use them. Well, it turns out Microsoft didn't use them either. Yeah, this, this ne necessarily was not a, a hack per se or a vulnerability. It was a vulnerability, but not like traditionally where there was some issue with the software and they were able to exploit that. This was just like, hey, you got some weak creds. That is a vulnerability. We got to log in. And now, oh, I see what's going on here. You got this nice little application, and it has full reign over your entire system. I wonder if we could use that. That would be fun. Mm. And it was for them, not for us so much, uh, or Microsoft uh, in, in that case. So really interesting. And I, I do like how it, it kind of comes off uh, the way that Microsoft quotes. Can I can I quote Microsoft a little bit here? Sure. It says threat actors like Midnight Blizzard compromise user accounts to create, modify, and grant high permissions to OAuth applications that they can misuse to hide malicious activity. Right. Uh, the misuse of OAuth is uh, also enables threat actors to maintain access to applications, even if they lose access to the compromised initially compromised account. Midnight Blizzard leveraged their initial access to identify and compromise a legacy test OAuth application. Mm -hmm that had elevated access to the Microsoft Corp environment, the actor created, and they, where did they say, they, they, they basically say, this wasn't, we didn't do anything, our software's still good. <laughs> our software's amazing. Nothing's wrong with the software. Just some Yahoo over here put too much permissions on the thing. I mean, how, how is this my fault? Hey, anybody right. can do yeah. it, right? You and can still <laughs> trust Microsoft. In their software, which technically is true, but to, to be able to continue to frame and push the idea that there's nothing to see here. It was just a, a miss, misstep by an administrator. And now he's been taken care of. Don't worry about that guy. <laughs> <laughs> right. He's got a banker's box under his arm and he's Anybody walking out the door him? right now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I. I, I do wonder about that. And they'll never disclose information on an individual employee. Like right. we, we do have uh, employee protections in the United States where they're not allowed to do that. But uh, I do think that it's frustrating that there's times where 
these these vendors, these software vendors will tell you like, we've given you all the tools to protect yourself, but they're not enabled by default or you need to configure them and you really need to understand that configuration. It's not a matter of, I'm gonna stumble through and hit these radio buttons and see what happens. As an IT guy, I get it. Like I hate reading manuals. And if I can launch some new software and stumble my way through it, I'll try it. Have you read that but, crap? It's horrible. But if it's <laughs> gonna be in production, then you need to really spend some time on it. But in here, this is a case of being able to jump from test to production. Mm. So shortcuts in test become a risky thing, especially for a large uh, a target of value like Microsoft. And 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 it's so interesting. And I, I understand the impetus, the 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 desire to like, we just need to make sure that all this stuff is going to work. Well, what's the easy button on making that work? We'll just give it the admin creds and... Now, it, it won't be a permissions issue if something breaks. We just want to see if the software is working in all its intended areas. So they give it some admin creds so they never bump up to a permissions because invariably, if you just give it some standard user permissions, it's going to fail due to being under permission for whatever. And yep. you got to kind of run that down. And I'm sure some developer at Microsoft or developers or group or whatever the case is, has somebody breathing over their necks going, when is that going to be done? When is that mm. going to be done? We need to ship that. It's got to go. We got a deadline. And they have no idea what it takes to make that actually happen. They just came down and said, here's your deadline. Yeah. You didn't consult me on whether or not that's a good deadline. I don't care. I told the board that this is the deadline. So now you got to eat it. Make it happen. That's what goes mm. down. Are you are you intentionally quoting me? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what's that our, was too funny. What's our takeaway here? Yeah, I say I say these things. Um, <laughs> so what, what's our takeaway here? Our, our takeaway is, unless your test environment is truly isolated, yeah, you've got to secure it the same as your production environment. And in today's world of cloud-based and connected software, where your test environment likely needs internet access. It, you just can't isolate it like you used mm. to. And so you need to spend time securing your test networks. Amen, brother. Yep. R real quick before we move on from this article. Frodo Dushbaggins? Yeah, Frodo <laughs> Well, sure him, but I kept going. Um, it was somebody <laughs> named uh, Crying Croc, which isn't quite as fun, but, you mm -hmm. know, E for effort. Uh, had raised the point that I mean, when I first saw this, I thought that, okay, why would you give a test account? I've been privileges like that. And I'm, you know, like you had been talking about, I'm yeah. sure there's reasons for it. But this person raised the question, maybe this is something they do routinely. They r assign admin stuff to grunts at the bottom of the pay scale. Their words, not mine, routinely. And so hmm. this, it wasn't like, oh, we needed to give it admin privileges, like for the reason you said. It's just, well, of course we did because everybody has those privileges. Do you think that's likely or a, like a, a worthy theory, I guess, of, of something that they could be doing? So maybe, I mean, um, back, uh, I'll, I'll use the uh, the bank that I worked at years ago where we had developers and the developers were all given test environments and they had full-blown admin credentials in their test environments. Uh, but their test environments ran, they, they would each get like a cluster of four virtual machines that ran from a centralized VMware uh, vSphere environment. And so they, they had admin credentials within that little realm that they were given. Right, the test world. Uh, and every night it would get blown away and rebuilt. So every morning they came into a fresh and clean test build that they would then run with. Uh, so even the lowest, like we hired a brand new developer right out of college and stuck them in there. The next day they had a small environment they had yeah. admin creds to it. But Microsoft said, here is our actual like production environments credentials to you developers use that. Yeah. And that's what they used instead of something much more controlled. 
right? Much more secure because it didn't have as much access. And I think I get it. Like you got deadlines, you got everything that that's going down, but the, the benefit to struggling through running up against, Oh, that didn't work. We did not think about that. And now because we, we butted up against it and everything broke, we now have to rethink that, make sure that those avenues work and everything is, is doing as what we expect it to do. And now with that, we've jumped that hurdle. Let's hit the next one and go, okay, yep. no, I fixed that, but now this is broken. Okay. Because it's hard to think your way through all the possible little edge cases and scenarios that can happen. Anybody that's, and if you think, oh, it's just, you just got to be diligent, mm. go out and build a small application, something tiny that does something simple. You will find out real quick that your assumptions on what you can do and how it gets done are going to get broken real quick. Right. Easier said than done. Really, right. really, yeah. very much so. And having to fight around that and go, well, it doesn't work that way. I didn't know it didn't work that way. I thought it was going to be something simple like this. Well, it's simple in your mind because a human brain can do it easily, but the computer has to be told you have to do it this way and in that way. And if that doesn't work, then this. And if that doesn't work, then this. And, that, and you got to think of every little possibility and make account for it. That gets really difficult to do. And that's why security vulnerabilities work. So a lot of times they just go, well, let's just hit the easy button and make sure everything works. And I don't want permissions to be the thing that stops me. So, because permissions is usually the thing that stops you. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You're telling me sometimes people are smarter than computers? In, in the no. way our brains work, yeah. Crazy. Uh, like, we take for granted things like time. It's really easy for us to go, oh, that's in a month. And we all go, oh, yeah, we understand what a month is. Mm -hmm. And we also understand, well, if you mean next month or this month, which is, are we in February or is today the last day of January? So, yeah, we're in February. February has got 28 days. Mm -hmm. Instead of 30, 29 this year, but 29 this year, mm -hmm. your brain does that like that. A computer goes, what's a year? What's right. a month? Define a month for me. Explain to me the idea and concept of time. I have a, a time library, but how does that work within the context of what you're building? And things get weird and you have to like figure it out. So yep. that's, that's what happens. Wow. I love hearing you guys break stuff down. Yeah. It's so fun. I feel like I'm watching one of those like baby sensory videos and I'm just like, yeah, like keep, what's the next thing, you know? Yeah. So it's it's always so entertaining for me. Oh. And I know you mentioned that we had uh, obviously talked about this story a little bit last week, hence Deja News. So if you, uh, if you missed last week's episode and you want to know what the heck we talked about, feel free to go back and watch that. It lives here on the channel as well as uh, <clears throat> anywhere that you can listen to podcasts. And if you haven't already, feel free to subscribe so you never miss an episode like that in the future. I have a frog in my throat. I'm sure you can hear it. Uh, and if you enjoyed this episode, we would love it if you would uh, leave a comment. Let us know what you liked, what you want to see in the future. You can also check out other videos on this channel. We've got uh, ACI Learning live webinars and live on social events. We actually have one this week, to the day this episode is released. Uh, it's going to be another All Things cyber, so cyber Show with myself and Daniel and Mr. Zach Hill, who now works for Black Hills Information Security, which is super exciting. Are you excited, Daniel? I'm excited. We love the Black Hills. We do. We love the Black Hills. Both the actual Black Hills and, and the Black location. Hills InfoSec. Right. <laughs> the people, the organization, the location, it's all yeah, great. It is phenomenal. And Zach's been on the show with us before, so it'll be nice to have him back and uh, catch up with him a little bit and bring your questions because the, those two really have a wealth of knowledge and I have a wealth of 
questions subpar jokes so <laughs> you know you, you won't want to miss it and then i believe we have an it webinar next week as well so there's just so much going on we here you know you really don't want to miss it and of course want to thank our sponsor once again aci learning the people behind it pro if you are watching from the or listening from the technado website you can click on that orange sponsored by button and that will take you to the it pro website like i said before that's what we do in our day job if you want to see more of don dan and myself check out those episodes check out those courses we do have a lot of fun and i'm, I'm not just saying that to be nice it is genuinely super fun and you learn a lot if i'm learning things i know you can learn some things <laughs> so drop a comment let us know what you thought about this episode let us know if you're gonna go check out uh it pros courses what you think about those and i think that's pretty much it from me i gotta get this frog out of my throat so anything from you guys ribbit ribbit <laughs> wow croak i feel like is a more yeah. accurate noise no <laughs> lizards this week in the studio just frogs yeah yeah, yeah. Well, well, the turtle in here next time <laughs> <laughs> it's just me being slow on the uptake that's all yeah. that is well thank you so much guys for uh, walking us through this week's security and it news and thank you for joining us and we will see you next week for more technado thanks for watching if you enjoyed today's show consider subscribing so you'll never miss a new episode